0: Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 304.
1: Someone can emulate what you do, but they can't copy what you do because everything we do has our own signature thumbprint on it.
0: Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a
1: flourishing
0: business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue coming to you from snowy Chicago. I'm a huge lover of snow, as you may already know. If you're not in snow country, let me paint a picture of the perfect blizzard. It starts with huge, fluffy white flakes falling lightly to the ground. As time goes on, the air gets more crowded until there are beautiful glistening flakes dropping all around as if you were standing inside a snow globe. You're treated to a calm, muted world with the tree branches accented and weighed down by snow. The path ahead of you is angelically untouched. It's like walking into a world full of peace and tranquility. And if you catch it at the right time and you're the only one around, you can easily hear the soft crunch of each of your footsteps. Perhaps you can even find tiny footprints of animals who have just passed by. A perfect snow. And I'm always so grateful for the times I get to experience it. So I had to share it with you. When I think of the pure white untouched snow, I'm also thinking about how I want you to enter into this episode without past footprints leading you in a predetermined direction. I say that because we're going to be talking about virtual events, selling directly to the consumer. And I don't want you to immediately categorize this conversation into wholesale trade shows or think of this as a face to face craft show just moved online, kind of like a second best. It's a mistake to go there. Virtual shows are a completely separate category entirely. Did you hear me? Virtual shows are a completely separate category entirely. These online events come with their own potential. They have unique qualities you need to understand so you can take advantage of all the opportunities. And there's huge potential for new sales that up until now, you may never have approached, like a direct connection to a national audience. And, well, why don't we just get into the show? And you'll hear all about it. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Robert Allen of New Media Connection. Robert has emerged as one of the most sought-after virtual event producers working today. With over 30 years of video production expertise, he helps companies pivot to take their event experiences online. For more than three decades, Robert has been an award-winning event video journalist. He was inducted into the Weva Hall of Fame in 2002, received the prestigious Bob Labar Vision Award, a Multipurpose International Creative Excellence Award winner, and for two years in a row, was named to the event DV25, who are considered to be the most influential videographers in the field. In 2005, Robert advanced onto the new media landscape with the creation of Wedding Podcast Network, which quickly became a leading authority in bridal media. Today, Robert develops and produces strategic internet marketing campaigns for a variety of for-profit and non-profit clients. Robert's latest endeavor is at-home events, producing interactive virtual event experiences with his partner, Holly Ehrlich. Robert, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Stu.
0: We knew this was coming. We've been talking about this for a while, and I am thrilled that you're here. Can't wait to dive in, but I've already warned you about my traditional question, haven't I?
1: You have indeed.
0: (laughs) Okay. So if you were to describe yourself as a motivational candle, what color and quote would be on your candle?
1: Well, the quote's easy. And I was thinking about the color and you know me, I usually dress in very dark colors, but when I think about it as my candle, I think my candle would be rainbow because I would want it to be all inclusive. And my quote would definitely be by Ralph Waldo Emerson, do not go where the path may lead go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And that's really a quote that I live by every day.
0: Mark your own path, make a name for yourself, be different, which calls attention to you and makes you stand out from the crowd.
1: Exactly. And I've always been a sharer and a teacher. And I think if I had another path to take in my life, it would have been a teacher because I never minded sharing what I learned, never feared someone trying to copy me or anything like that. I always felt that if I knew something, it was my job to be able to share it and lead the way.
0: Love that. Well, I'm going to ask you, and this might catch you off guard a little bit, but this is an issue that we have with my audience all the time, is if someone is just starting a business, they don't want to tell anybody. Because what if somebody steals their idea? And let's face it, very few things have never been made. You might make a different version of a candle or there's a different way you bake cupcakes or create your pottery. What's the advice you would give people who are so anxious about sharing their ideas because that's ingrained in you? What would you say to people who feel like they have to keep it a secret?
1: I think that human nature kind of tells us that, right? We want to protect what's ours, okay? But when you're a creator, when you are someone who... Oozes creativity. Someone can emulate what you do, but they can't copy what you do because everything we do has our own signature thumbprint on it. And that's what makes us who we are. So I think that that concern is valid, but it's not something that should hold anyone back from achieving their goals and their dreams. The idea will get out eventually and people will nip at your heels, but look at it as a compliment. They say that imitation is the best form of flattery, but it's something that you have to learn to live with as someone who creates because someone will always try and emulate what you're doing.
0: Right. And I guess the way I think of it also, based on what you're saying, too, is you don't need every single person out there to be following you to be successful in your business. I mean, think of how many people there are, even just in the United States. You need a group, not totally small, but you need a group of people who are loyal and committed and following you. And from there, everything just unfolds.
1: Absolutely, I think everybody needs a handful of raving fans. And I think once you establish that base, I think the natural exponential growth happens, but staying true to what you do and not trying to please everyone, but I think the word niche marketing, targeting in on who wants you, The idea of just kind of browsing the pages of a newspaper, let's say, you know, are few and far between. Everything is targeted now. We search for exactly what we want to see. So the people that zero in on what you do, what you create, are the people that are looking for that. So I think as we move into the technology that lies before us, I think it allows more people to be able to find us easier.
0: Have you heard the quote, different is better than better? Have you ever heard that? I
1: haven't.
0: That came to mind also as we're talking because it's almost better not to follow people who are in your industry necessarily because you'll be tempted to just try and copy what they're doing but better versus, I'm going to stick with candles here, making a candle that's different than to your point. So that you're niched down, you have a different quality to your product, and people will love it and follow it because you're the one who's doing that, not just making yet another candle, even though all the candles are great (laughs) in my book. Yeah,
1: no, no, I agree. And that has been my business philosophy all along, is to create the demand for me, for what I do, so that people would not only want to work with me, but would be willing to pay a premium to do so.
0: Because they get you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what doesn't work if you're looking to mass produce, okay, because you would need to create something that can be kind of stamped out, let's say. But that was never my approach in anything that I did. So I always wanted to create from scratch. And when you do that, that should command a much higher price tag because of the work that went into creating that.
0: Sure. Well, tell us a little bit about how you've gotten to where you are today.
1: Well, I have always, from when I was very young, as young as the seventh grade, when I was made the captain of the Intermediate School 51 Audiovisual Squad, and it was all downhill from there.
0: From that (laughs) moment on,
1: when I had a room full of projectors and film strip projectors and very early video equipment we're talking I don't want to date myself but we're talking about the mid-1970s and that's really where it started my love for capturing images was born at that moment through photography and video and it took me through a video career in capturing special events In teaching my techniques, I had the opportunity to do a number of celebrity weddings in my career and be in situations and places where I kind of had to pinch myself, say, am I really here? Am I really doing this wedding? And it was very exciting. Got to meet some very interesting people that morphed into creating Wedding Podcast Network in 2005 when the iPod was literally just born. And I remember when we live in New Jersey and Holly and I would travel into Manhattan and as we started to create the network and do interviews and we'd be riding on the subway car and I would, she'd be reading her magazine and I would be counting the number of people on the train car that had the white earbuds in because I knew that they were listening to an iPod and they could very possibly be listening to our podcast And it was very exciting at that time to watch how this medium began to unfold. Unfortunately, like many things I've done in my career, we were way ahead of the curve. And in 2005, 2007, and it went on for 12 years, we would meet with brand managers and they would look at us cross-eyed. They had no idea what a podcast was Hmm. or how powerful it was. And we had a very hard time monetizing that back then. And then now... Here we are doing a podcast together, and podcasts are everywhere.
0: Yeah, but I can only imagine back then, Robert, because I know when I started my show, which is about, oh gosh, I'm going to be going on to six years now. Even then, people didn't really know podcasts. I mean, even my audience right here, you had to educate people well, what's a podcast? How do I listen? Is that a URL? Do I have to go on the computer? Like people were still very confused. So I can only imagine back in 2005 what it was like.
1: It was almost impossible to get that message.
0: You had double because you had to educate people and then direct them to the show at the same time.
1: Absolutely. It was a challenge. And like you said, it still remains a challenge with any evolving technology like this. Teaching people and getting them to understand just how valuable it is sometimes takes some work.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you feel the advantages are of being an early adopter?
1: Gosh, you end up with a lot of equipment that you don't ultimately need.
0: That's <laughs> one of the
1: things. I don't know if it's an advantage or disadvantage. I guess for me, it's a mindset. I was always a leader. I was always one, I guess, to jump into the pool first and give it a try. And because of that, I made some mistakes, but I also had the distinct advantage of being a first mover in the space. And it's a lot of the reason why, even now, when we talk about virtual events, it's being done at a much quicker pace than we would do under, let's say, normal circumstances, because we want to be a first mover in this space because it will give us a distinct advantage as we move forward.
0: Absolutely. And you also see the opportunity is upon us based on what's going on in the world. We've had to shelter in. And so how were people going to get the word out and sell their products? And let's face it, when you talk about wellness or wedding or whatever you want to talk about, events still went on. Some got delayed, but some continued to go on. And what way can you get the word out there but virtual?
1: Indeed, the days of consulting the Yellow Pages for what you need are over. And we're in a very fluid situation that's continuously changing. And if you don't have a stronghold in the online space, then you're at a distinct disadvantage in doing business today. There are still businesses out there who don't have an internet presence, whether that be a website, whether that be a social media presence. You still meet people that say, oh, I'm not on Facebook. I won't do that. I'm like, all right, you know, if you want to miss out on what's going on around you, that's your choice. But there is a lot of technology pushback. Like, I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, you're going to need to learn and adapt if you want to move along with the rest of society. That's just the way it is.
0: Yeah. you know, I kind of see it as the evolution of media all along. I mean, in the beginning, what did we have? Word of mouth, <laughs> if you want to go way back. But then newspapers came out, then radio then the addition, not only, but the addition of TV, then direct mail, and now social media. So this is just the way the culture has evolved. Like today, you wouldn't only be listening to just radio or putting ads for your business on radio, but you would have 50, 60 years ago, 70 Years ago, (laughs) whenever you want to say, right? So, social media now and everything that's online is just the newest way to do it based on what technology allows us to do. And oh my gosh, Robert, I mean, we can reach as a small business from our home nationally. We can touch potential customers coast to coast now, even worldwide if you wanted to go that far. How exciting is that?
1: The enormous power that each of us possess because of our ability to interact with the world at the press of a button is something that I think there are a segment of the population who has taken advantage of that in a good way. But there are many more who have yet to even dip their toe into that pool of being able to see the potential and see the power. And especially if you get the right people to help you and to guide you and to mentor you, it can really be something that changes everything in someone's business. Unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there on how to do things. But I think if people take a step back, And just use common sense to see, just from their own behavior, how they act and interact online. And even in the real world, right? Because we talk about what works and what doesn't work. And if you think about it, we drive around and what do we see all over? At least I know where I live. Are billboards. Billboards are all over. You drive up and down the highway, you see billboards. And you see people advertising on billboards. And you know something? If it didn't work, if billboards didn't work, guess what? They would be blank. Companies wouldn't be spending money. All you have to do is look around you at successful people, successful businesses. What are they doing? What are some of the things that they're doing that you can emulate that might help you? It's as simple as that. It's picking someone who you admire, someone who you would like to be like, that your business to be like, and dive into what it is they do. And I'm not talking, this brings us back to the beginning of the conversation of copying. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about walking in their footsteps, right, of what path did they take? And can I get on that path? I think if more people did that, if they identified the people who were successful in the ways they would like to be successful, work-life balance, things like that, I think we would all be better off. But we have to do it with eyes wide open. You can't achieve that unless you are watching. So that's how it comes about, in my opinion.
0: I would agree with that. Get on that same path, but do it your way. And I feel like the time is right now, too, when we're on another cusp of change. And that is, as you were talking about before, virtual shows. This summer, I had the opportunity, because there are a lot of pretty big shows that normally would happen in my area here. Fine arts shows, some smaller craft shows. And then of course, there are the really smaller community craft shows and church bazaars and farmers markets, (laughs) you know, all of that. But I had the opportunity to get out. And although it's social distanced, those of you who have been following me have seen the Facebook Lives I did when I took you through and showed you exactly how things were being managed. We've also done a podcast from one of the show producers talking about how they were managing through physical shows. But what I continued to hear from artists was number one, they were obviously doing less shows because many of the shows were canceled. Number two, a lot of people were getting online for the first time ever because some of these makers, Gift Biz listeners, this might even be you. And no fault, right? But things are changing. They didn't have an online presence because by nature of what they did and the people who they are, they love going out to -to face-to-face shows. But they were also saying, I have to get online this year. If I'm going to be able to sell and have limited shows that I can even go to, if at all, I have to go online. So I think a lot of people were forced online. But now people are comfortable. Let's think of it. Like, I would have never expected some of my older relatives ever to be on Zoom. And now Zoom is as easy as picking up a telephone. So we've gotten to a point where the population has become much more comfortable communicating online. We've also seen, and this was what I was hearing from artists, that. They probably will keep up more of the virtual activity that 2020 forced them into because they're seeing that there can be a good compromise. You can do a little bit of both. I talked to one person in particular. He did 40 shows a year and he says, you know what, I'm going to probably drop down to about 10. And the rest I'm going to do online. So to your point of being an early adapter, I am all in and right behind you and supporting you, Robert, in that idea that virtual shows will definitely be a strong wave for the future.
1: Yeah, we're definitely on the same page there, Sue. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about what you see as the strength of virtual shows overall. So for somebody who's like, all right, well, maybe, yes, but why? And what would the advantages be?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. And there are so many answers
0: to that. Coming up after the break, all about virtual shows and why they are definitely something for you to be considering in 2021. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font, add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com.
1: Okay, so what you said about people getting more comfortable now is exactly the case. People who have been exposed to the virtual space has increased exponentially over these last six to eight months because of necessity, right? We were all headed in this direction. The pandemic accelerated it. So that's why we are where we are. So the advantages that I see, and some of these have been revealed to the population at large due to the pandemic. Number one to me is that doing the virtual shows allows you to reach a population that no matter how beautiful a day it is, would never be able to come out to an in-person event. And the majority of people who would like to come to the event don't come to the event one reason or another. So by being in the virtual space, it eliminates many of those barriers that you would have for an in real life event. Secondly, the virtual space, as I describe it, is a lean forward environment. And what I mean by that is when people are attending a virtual event, they are fully engaged with that virtual event. They're going to it with purpose, they want to get something out of the experience. Which leads me to my third point about the virtual events. The way they exist today. We've done extensive research in being able to develop the virtual experiences that we do. And what we found is that most of the people who were involved in the virtual events. And I'm talking about from the vendor side. Were extremely unprepared for that experience. And what I mean by that is. The virtual experience from a vendor perspective is very different than an in real life event. When you're at an in real life event and you arrive on that morning to set up, the event organizer asks you your name and says, oh, great, Sue, you're in booth 23. And there it is. And they point to it. And from that moment on, you know exactly what to do to be able to present at that event. In the virtual space, you have to be taken by the hand or you should be taken by the hand and shown step by step by step how to effectively present at a virtual event. And that's where the breakdown happens. So while we're ready as a society for this, the business person at large is not ready for the virtual experience to be able to maximize the benefit of that. So while we have a distinct need for this, and I believe it will continue, we have a huge gap in people being totally comfortable in attending these events and especially businesses being comfortable presenting at these events.
0: Interesting that you say that. And I think this would be a good place for us to talk about how you and I got connected. You, me and Holly because I think we're going to start talking about in a little bit more depth what you've experienced and found out from the shows. And I know some of that now, too. So I've talked a lot with people. And I did a podcast in December about how we connected. And I'd love to hear from your vantage point. Maybe you could share with everybody how we got together.
1: Sure. So Holly probably knows this story in much more detail than I do. But I do believe that Our first contact was you attending our at-home wellness expo. Isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I believe we met in one of the vendor booths in the video chat. I think someone Holly was connected to introduced us or it might have just been by chance. Is that correct?
0: Actually, one of my Makers MBA students was a participant in the show. And I'm not sure exactly how she got in there. And she reached out to me and she's like, Sue, are you aware of this? You should look at this and et cetera. And so I was going to talk with Holly after the week of the wellness show. But I thought, well, I want to know what this is all about. I want to know more <laughs> before I talk with Holly. So I jumped into that show And was pleasantly, and I was so surprised at how smooth it was conducted, how efficient it was, how easy it was to navigate, and really excited about the overall virtual show. Because it's not one that I had experienced as I'd popped into other, and I'm going to put loose quotes around this, other virtual shows. Because a lot of the virtual shows are just directories. It's just a list of people, what they offer, and here's the link to the website. And this was totally different. So I was really excited about it. And then when I talked with Holly, that's when she shared a little bit more about what you guys were doing. Then we saw some commonality in terms of what we're both trying to do to help our audiences. And we had different skill sets. And so that's where we started seeing other potential.
1: Well, it was obvious that there was an immediate spark of worlds coming together. It was evident, I mean, immediately, as soon as Holly kind of looped me in on things, and it was evident that there was that right connection because of how we were able to move forward in the space. But what I think was so great was that you got to experience it before we even had that conversation, which is really important because... I think if you didn't sense that there was something there, that subsequent conversation would have never happened.
0: Right. Or it would have happened in a different way because it would have been, talk to me more about this. I was actually thinking of having Holly come on my Facebook Live. I don't even know if you know this, Robert, but in my private Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, I come on twice a week and we do Q&A so we can answer any questions people have. But I've also been bringing on guests and some pretty significant guests to talk about services that are available for people. And not everybody needs everything, right? Different people need different things. So I was thinking about having Holly come into that group. And since then, it's been you who's come into that group. So of course, you know, because you were there. I forgot. But that's actually what I was looking at when I made that initial call to Holly, And as you said, it's kind of like the fate stepped in or the God stepped in because one thing led to another and we both left that conversation thinking that there might be opportunity for something greater than what we initially thought. And that's where we are today.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It's interesting because some things, like to me, this was the way it was supposed to evolve and this feels right. And so far things have really been clicking in place and we've seen a lot of really good results out of what we've been doing.
0: Yeah, it's super exciting. Gift Biz listeners, if you don't know, I have merged with Robert and Holly for their craft and gift shows. Now they do other shows. You do wellness and you do wedding right? And I don't know what else you have on the docket. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) It's a mystery until you announce it. But we have just now completed our first show together. And we have a couple more coming next year. So stay tuned for that. Back to some tangible things so people, when they leave, can take away a learning and know for the future. When you say people came in unprepared, give me a couple of ideas of where people could start working now so that if they're ever looking at a virtual show, they can be prepared.
1: So I think one of the things that was quickly evident was that even the basics weren't covered for people. And really the reason this happened this way was simple. If you look at it, there were a lot of show producers that had in-person shows planned. And I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but show producers work on very thin margins as well. And What happens generally is that show producers use the booth revenue that comes in to produce the show, marketing, personnel, printing, whatever it is. So it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, for a show producer to refund money. So what happened was most of these show producers said, okay, let me scramble, how can I do this, and let's just make it a virtual event. And what they did was they just created a virtual event, which for a lot of people just meant a website and threw it up there with very little preparation for the vendor from the vendor side on how that would be different. Their goal was to not refund money.
0: You're talking about people then who would have done live shows and all of a sudden they saw this isn't happening this year. I can't refund everybody's money. How do I save the show in some way, shape or form? That's what you're meaning is taking a physical event and turning it into virtual.
1: That's exactly right. And while that might seem the easy solution at the surface an in real life event and a virtual event are completely different. And I think the distinct difference in the events that we produce are that they are created as virtual experiences from the moment of inception. So the moment we start planning it, it is planned as a virtual experience. It's never a shift from in-person to online. We're planning it as a virtual experience from the very first moment. And that's why it's so different.
0: I'm kind of reviewing in my mind's eye the shows that I was supposed to go to last year. Now, some of them just flat out didn't have a show. And they said, are you willing for us to keep your money so that you'll be there next year? Because obviously they want to keep retention. They want to retain everybody. And some people will fall off for sure. So some people just didn't do a show at all. Other people made the transition, but are intending to go back to what they were doing. So it's kind of a stopgap here, if you will. So put something up that could be of value, and then they're going to go away.
1: Exactly. But the thing is, this is one example, okay, when you're talking about our events. One of the things that we use, one of the tools that we use is a video chat feature. Now, that for many people just might translate into a Zoom call. Right. That's what they think about. But when we prepare our vendors, it's a very, very different experience. We're actually coaching on building a virtual showroom. So much in the way you would set up a display for an in-real life event, one of the things that we talk about is how do you present yourself visually in the virtual space? And that's a very different approach than if you were setting up at an in-real life event. And most of the vendors that we've worked with so far have had no experience in that regard, and we are teaching and showing them for the very first time. So if you're going to be presenting in a virtual space, one of the things you should really consider, because you will be doing video interaction, is how do you set up your virtual space to look great on camera? And there are some very distinct things that we talk about with the vendors that choose to work with us. About how to get them ready for that visually appealing experience for their attendees. And this is something that they've never, ever done before.
0: This is something that is very, very unique to at-home events. I haven't seen anybody else doing this yet. And the way you've incorporated it in, I first have to say that my biggest observation was how smooth everything went tech-wise. People They might not have known necessarily in the beginning until we taught them, but the buttons when you press them actually work, (laughs) you know? Like a button, if you're pressing and pressing and it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, there's tech issues underneath. The system that you have is so solid from a tech standpoint that... First off, gives everybody confidence, but then the addition, and I'm guessing you do this with all shows, Roberts. We did it for the craft and gift show, but you have Q and A's available where we make sure that everything is in place for every vendor. And one of the Q and A topics, and a big one because people were very nervous to your point about being unprepared, is all right. If I'm going to go on camera, I'm out of my house. What is this going to look like? What should it look like? And that was so valuable. We're not going to go through all the details of what that is, because I want to get to a couple other things of how people can start setting themselves up to be prepared. But that's one of the things that we cover if you're a vendor at the show.
1: Yeah, there are definite techniques that we share with our exhibitors that without too much heavy lifting can really change the visual appeal of what they're sharing in the online space. And that makes all the difference in the world.
0: For sure. What are a couple of other things that people could be doing in terms of the foundations of their business so that they would be set up the best that they possibly could if they're doing a virtual show?
1: Well, I think that you have to have an understanding that what you are embarking on is truly a community endeavor. And what I mean by that is unlike in real life situation, which the shows that people participate in, have a natural attraction to them. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Let's go out to this park and walk this show. And people do that as part of their weekend activities. It's much different in the online space because what we rely on, and this is really, really important, And we've had much success because our vendors understand this, is that we all need to work together as a community in drawing people into this event. We have to work our own networks in being able to spread the word. And we help in this regard. We provide graphics. We provide sample text content to be able to share it within your network. Because let's say that every vendor was just responsible for bringing in 10 of their friends into the event. Just think about how many more people will attend the event just from that effort alone. And it's through that effort in bringing community together and everyone inviting their own networks of people. That's what makes these experiences extra special. Because now not only do we have our own clients and friends and family attending, but now we're meeting new people that others are bringing to the event. So it really changes the complexion of who's attending, why they're attending. And that is one of the real benefits that comes from working with us because we really impress upon our vendors that this is a group lift. We're all responsible. And you know what they say, a rising tide raises all the ships in the harbor. So we are truly all in this together. And these events allow us to be able to bring that to life.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is in addition to the Facebook advertising that you do. So we bring in people who would naturally be interested in coming into the show. So that's one way that attendees are gathered from across the country. But then also, as Robert just said, who are the people, whether it's family, friends, your email list, people on social. So just imagine if you were in a show with, let's just say, 50 vendors okay and all 50 vendors not only talked about it to their email list but talked about it on social media that enhanced with other ways it's not just facebook ads there's other ways that you're bringing in people into the show robert so all of that together makes this mix of eyes that think about it if someone comes in because they're your friend and wants to come and say hi to you in your booth look at your things do you think they're just going to pop out no they're going to go well who else is here So you are giving and receiving from that, from the power of everybody doing this at one time. From my perspective, one of the most exciting things about the virtual show that we just did together is I think for the very first time, people began to really understand why some of the foundational elements that we talk about that you should have for a business are really important. People were... I struggle with the word not prepared. Yes, some people definitely were not prepared. They hadn't even ever started an email list. We had a bunch of people from the last show. They collected their first email addresses they've ever had. So now they're motivated to start an email list. But some of these things either weren't in place at all or were never utilized. And they kind of, they knew they should do it. They didn't really get around to it. So it was kind of a trigger point for people to really get in place foundational things for business that you should have all along. Absolutely. People were less prepared for that because it's not just the sales that you get at a show, it's how do you get to communicate with them again so that they'll either buy again or remember you when they're ready to buy.
1: Absolutely. I think most small businesses don't realize just how powerful an email address is. And the reason behind that is nobody can take that away from you. When you have a Facebook page or an Instagram account or anything in social media, you're at their mercy. They can close you down for any reason they want to. And unless you have a big legal team behind you that's going to fight Facebook or fight Twitter or fight Instagram, guess what? Your account is gone. And all of those followers that you amassed over the years are gone. So unless you're gathering emails and you are regularly corresponding through email you're missing out on a lot in terms of business. So that's one of the first things that we work with our exhibitors is how to start gathering those email addresses because they're so vitally important.
0: Absolutely. Another thing that I found was that people weren't really prepared with their photos. We had anticipated that they've got product photos certainly for promotion and for within the shop. And I'm not saying everybody, of course, but some of the photos were less than photo ready, audience ready, I guess I would say, or there weren't photos. So some people were scrambling around. So that's another thing that you can make sure you prepare for just for a solid business so that when opportunities come up, it's easy to integrate everything in. And I'm going to suggest with photos, your top selling products, make sure you have them just on a clear background just on white, just like a flat lay on a white background or marble background, however you want to do it. And then also in a lifestyle shot, how do people use your product? Someone wearing the jewelry, someone putting it on, maybe it's in a jewelry box, things like that. But I feel like photos is where a lot of people can up their game. What do you say, Robert?
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we're visual creatures. And we're tactile creatures, and that's something that where people are going to have to learn how to do, and I think you do it through visuals, whether it be photographs, videos. You bring your products to life, and if your product is something that people would normally be touching and feeling, you're going to have to, through your visuals, bring to life that texture of what they might touch and feel, and that might have to translate in your copy that accompanies photographs, getting really descriptive in your text. And then, of course, testimonial from people who love your products is incredibly powerful, especially if you're dealing in the online space, because normally what you could experience in person, taste it, touch it, smell it. You can't do. But if someone has touched it and smelled it and tasted it already, and they're explaining how wonderful it is, how it feels on your body, how it feels in your hands, how it tastes, how it smells. That is one way of being able to bring that to someone who would normally be able to experience that in person.
0: True. And I'm thinking the other thing is because a virtual show is open 24-7, if someone's looking around at 2 in the morning, they can't sleep. Whatever you have there that they can look at or a video that they may be able to click into, maybe it's a demo of you talking and doing your product, anything like that, all of that is set and has to speak for itself. Versus a face-to-face show where you can, hi, come on in, you know, and like show your personality that way. What you have on screen has to be able to be a standalone and speak to itself.
1: It does. It has to tell your story accurately in a way that people will have it resonate with them. That's really what you're trying to do. And I think it all boils down to authenticity. The more authentic you can be in whatever you're translating to your audience is where you want to be. Because that your energy and your vibe that you give out is a lot of the reason why you're successful. People like to buy from people they know, like, and trust. So if you can establish that, then you're more than halfway there in being able to make a sale. And that takes some creativity in the online space. You may be wonderful belly to belly, but you may need some work in translating that energy and that feel to the online space. That's where we come in because we learn so much from the people that we work with. And we do that for a reason. We want to know what their experience is like. We follow up. We talk to them because all of that helps us grow and learn as event producers in creating a better experience overall for everyone involved.
0: Absolutely. The other thing that was really interesting this go around is that there was some question about how the booths got listed. Do you want to talk about
1: that? Yeah, that was one thing that we as a team wrestled with because we know that in a physical space, there are some spots in the room that are better than others. Is it busier by the restrooms? Is it busier by the entrance? Do you want to be on an end cap? So a lot of that kind of goes away in the virtual space. So when it came time for us to lay the virtual space out with our booths, we wrestled with, well, how do we list them? Is it first come, first serve? Is it alphabetical? Is it reverse alphabetical? And we tried a number of different ways. And again, we took the time to, to analyze those results, to see what might be working and what might not be working. But suffice to say that we're always trying to develop the best possible experience for our attendees and our vendors. And we work with our platform that we use in their development team in making sure that after each event, when we debrief and we survey and we get that feedback, that we make the changes necessary to the virtual space going forward so that the experience always continues to improve. And we're always on the hunt for new tools that we can integrate because there is no one universal tool that takes care of everything. It's a myriad of things working in concert that create the overall ultimate best experience. And we're always on the hunt for that mix. And we take feedback very seriously. We don't just, the old cartoon of the suggestion box, you put it in and there's a paper shredder inside and it's just shredding them up. It's not like that. When we get feedback from attendees, from our vendors, we take that very seriously and we do whatever it takes to implement those changes and those modifications as we all continue to grow and evolve in a very, very new space for many of us.
0: Yeah. The thing that was really exciting to me as I was looking at some of these numbers, and I'm not going to reveal any booth in specific because that would only be for the vendors, obviously, information, but the people that were the most successful with sales had all the foundations already set up. Like, I'm thinking of a couple people who came in, and it was easy for them to join. Because they had everything ready to go. I think they set their booths up, Robert, in like 30 minutes, and they were ready and rolling. And not that they didn't need to learn some of the specifics of the platform, push this button, this is how you get to talk with people who come in the booth, things like that. But everything was ready to go. Their shipping processes were ready. This is another great thing about the show is it connects directly up to however you already capture your sales. So people who had that in place and smoothly were already processing sales had the easiest way of it, if you will. But I'm thinking of some other people. It was really interesting to see that there were some booths where there were lots of visits and lots of repeat visits, too, which I thought was really interesting. Like, it's not just people come to the booth, they make a decision, and they go away. There's continually traffic coming in for all the days that the show was open. But then you could also look at the booths and see how much of that was noob traffic and how much of it was repeat traffic. And I think this is really important when you think about virtual. And I don't even put it in the same place as a face-to-face show at all. Because when you go to a face-to-face show, what are you doing? You're walking from booth to booth. That booth is getting the majority of your attention. Yeah, you might be with a girlfriend and you're chatting, but you're really focused on the booths. When you're in a virtual event, you might have other tabs open on your computer. You might be sitting with your computer while you're watching TV. Your kids might come and want to talk with you. Maybe you're watching when you're at work and all of a sudden you better get back to the project. There are a lot of things competing for your attention. And I thought it was really interesting to see how people would come back to the booths over and over again. But what it also tells me is the booths need to be very clear and easy to navigate, and not too overwhelming, like not every single product you have in the whole entire world, just maybe your top bestsellers. And I don't know that you've come upon or would have a recommendation for how many products, but I don't think it's everything, because they can always go over to your website.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great point. It's definitely not everything. You definitely want to go with your handful of bestsellers, six to 12 items.
0: Things that are seasonal.
1: Yeah. And you have to be on target for season. And I know some of the things that we discussed, Sue, was that some of the participants who were struggling a little bit, didn't really even have up to date presence online seasonally. And that might be a turnoff for a visitor to come and not see the website prepared for the season in which they are, if that is applicable. So it was clear to us that there were some that were very prepared. And some that needed some help. And that's okay. That's something I think that shows that there is distinct potential here in this space for everyone along the continuum. So you don't have to be an extremely well-established business in order to take advantage of the virtual space. I think you have to have that desire and drive behind you. The ability to take advice and to take some constructive criticism and to actually put that in place. Because that's the thing. People will do a lot of educational seminars and workshops and self-help and all of that. But the fact of the matter is, if you go to a conference, let's say, whether it be online or in person, and you don't implement those ideas that you learn within the first two weeks of you learning them, guess what? You will never implement
0: them. Yeah, it's not happening.
1: <laughs> nope. Momentum is key. If you're in momentum... You have to remain in momentum. We do not exist in a business climate right now where any business, large or small, can take their foot off the gas. So as much of a struggle as it is right now for some businesses financially, it is not the time to sit back and wait. It is the time to put everything into action and to move forward because that's going to be the way out of this. It's not sitting around and waiting for a solution. It's action it's moving in a forward momentum that will propel you out of this. And I think the people who are remaining afloat are those who are creative, who are looking for new ways in which to do business and are succeeding. They are succeeding in a very tough climate.
0: I agree. And I would say that every single vendor we had for this show walked away with further insight on their business, what they could focus on to strengthen their business how the nature of the people who come and visit their offerings, what happens with that. Like very insightful one-on-one personal experiences. So that was exciting. And for me, because I'm all about foundational business development. So you are as strong and profitable as you can be, without gouging a customer, of course, but you know, the right mix, so you're actually making money, that is so exciting for me for people to be seeing and recognizing things in their business. Some of them are just little tweaks. Some of them are things that they're now, for the first time, understanding why they're valuable because they're seeing their fellow booth mates doing it, such as email lists. I mean, it's been so exciting to see eyes light up, people excited and seeing potential for their business growth from what they've experienced in the show. I haven't even told you this before, Robert, but that is my all-time favorite thing about doing this with you. Not because of everything we're doing, because that's all great too, but that they're walking away better, more insightful about what's happening with their business and looking at things that they can do to grow as they continue on and hopefully coming into future shows with us.
1: Yeah. It's just enormously satisfying to be a part of someone's success. And that has always been a highlight for me and for Holly in our careers is being able to help people, watch them grow, watch them flourish. And there's no better feeling in being able to help people with their businesses.
0: Totally agree with you. Share with everybody where they can learn more about the at-home events.
1: So we have a great team and a wonderful web designer, and we have a great website that has all of our information, how to contact us, all of our upcoming shows, and that's at homeevent.com. And you can reach us through there. If you have any questions, you can send them. Our social media links are there and we love to hear from people. So if you want to drop us a note, please do so. We get back to everybody. We're a pretty small, tight operation here. And you need to speak to us directly, we will speak to you directly.
0: Wonderful. And we have a couple of upcoming craft and gift shows planned for 2021. One in April, one in December. So if you're interested in chatting about those, you can also look at everything over on the at-home event website.
1: Absolutely. And I would encourage all of you to, if you're even thinking about it, please join us. You you won't be sorry. And the sooner you commit to being a part of the event, that's when we get you into the flow of promotion that happens. We can take you on at the very last minute, but by being with us from the beginning, you will get a distinct boost in terms of exposure because we start to promote all of our partners immediately. So you'll get lots of extra promotion by joining us right from the start. So if anyone has any questions or even thinking about it, please reach out to Sue or visit our website and we'd be happy to share with you what we're doing.
0: And you know what the other thing that I was thinking that is a big perk too is that once you've set up your booth the first time, you can go in and literally make some seasonal tweaks, product tweaks, anything that needs to happen so you don't have to start from the beginning Again, so any of our repeat vendors can literally be up and running and ready to go within 15 minutes, (laughs) seriously, because their booth's already done, already set up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even first-timers setting up the booth, it's copy and paste for most of it, and it's all information that you already have established. So it's quite remarkable how quickly we can get you up and going.
0: With a really, really professional-looking booth, too. Well, Robert, thank you so much for being on the show here, talking through. We did a little bit about sharing directly with everyone who's listening, and then we also talked a little bit just you and I back and forth of our experience. So that was kind of fun (laughs) to do. But I do want to say here publicly, I am so honored to be connected with you and Holly to be putting on and sponsoring the two craft and gift events. And I look forward to what 2021 brings for us.
1: Yes, we're very excited about working with you, Sue. We are fortunate that we found each other. We're really excited about what next year has in store for all of us. And we hope that it will be a a more positive year for everyone. And we know for a fact that no matter how we perceive getting back to normal is, we know that what we've hit upon here in the virtual space will continue to exist regardless of how we get back to normal, as a lot of people are saying. We know that we have touched a part of our community that we will continue to service and we will continue to be there for many years to come.
0: Absolutely. So well said. I have nothing to add. (laughs) Thank you so much, Robert, for being on the show. Thank
1: you, Sue. It was my pleasure.
0: Okay. Picture me hitting you with a snowball. All in fun, of course. I just want to get your attention so you're really listening to this. Virtual shows starting now are something you should be considering as you look at your marketing plan for 2021. If you're already doing in person craft shows, this is unnatural. And if you've never done a show before, this is an excellent opportunity to get your product seen by a national audience. You've already heard my connection with at home events, and if you've never done an online show before, I can tell you you'll be well taken care of. And learn a lot about solid business practices along the way. I only attach my name to the best. The at home craft and gift shows this year are in April and December. You can go check out all the details at athomeevent.com. And for you special Gift Biz listeners, I've connected you up with a 10% discount off your booth. Just enter the code GIFTBiz10 to receive that savings. Again, gift biz 10 to get 10% off your booth at the At Home Craft and Gift Show. Next week, we're talking all about makeup. I know it may seem like a break from what we normally talk about on the show, but really it isn't. I'm bringing in a pro to tell you how you can look your best, live streaming and in person through your makeup application. Because let's face it, as much as we say looks don't matter, They absolutely do when it comes to boosting our confidence. And when we speak confidently, our customers believe in us and trust us with their orders. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for spending time with me. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, please leave a rating and review. That means so much and helps the show get seen by more makers. So it's a great way to pay it forward. And now, be safe and well. And I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today,